Welcome to episode 239 of the No Persinium podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from the No Pro studio, a.k.a. the kitchen table, here in Los Angeles. This week on the show, we've got two of the cast members of the upcoming Ceaseless Fun show, Everyone Agrees It's About to Explode, which opens next week here in L.A. That would be uh, Katie Peabody and Scott Monahan. Scott is a company member of Ceaseless Fun, and for Katie, this is her first show with the company. Uh, she's appeared in work from E3W Productions before and, and some other stuff. We get into a bit about what they're up to. Uh, Everyone agrees is the new show, as I mentioned, from Ceaseless Fun. It's been a, a it's been like a like a, a year plus long hiatus since um, this since the company did a work. Uh, Derek Spencer is uh, the artistic director of the company, and his producing partner uh, Meredith Trinan. Uh, they've been they've been they do this like very very intense devising process and so we're going to talk a little bit about uh, how the devising process is kind of working with the actors we've had we've had Derek and, and Meredith on the show and Meredith was like hey why don't you take some of the actors this time that 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 would make a good episode and it did um and the show uh, is a show uh, about politics, about sort of like the current situation in a sense, uh, filtered through sort of a, a more extreme lens. And uh, I know I'm definitely looking forward to see what they've managed to whip up. Uh, we get into it a bit, not in like a not in like a, a, a hardball kind of way, but we like we definitely like do some topical stuff uh, in this episode. Um, everyone kind of knows where I stand, more or less. I don't make a big deal of it, but it's pretty obvious. Um, I'm a horrible, dirty progressive. Um, I voted for Warren. There you go. Uh, yell at me. Argue with me. No, don't. Don't. Like, do not. Not my cup of tea. Also, um, you, you don't want to go into Thunderdome. Uh, I don't do it because I like it too much, right? So I know, I know, mm, yeah. I know my limits, Mr. Wayne. I know my limits. Wait, no, that's what Alfred said. Anyway, neither here nor there, but we do <laughs> we do go there. So uh, if you're absolutely exhausted by politics, uh, this episode maybe not for you. Uh, but we're not necessarily talking about, you know, uh, politics qua, like, you know, horse race stuff or what's happened in the last week. Mostly because we recorded it like uh, like last week, so can't talk about what happened last week. This is more, more big picture type stuff uh, gets in this episode. Um both Scott and Katie are, are lovely and wonderful, and I really enjoyed talking with them, and I hope you enjoy it too. Let's do a little bit of business. We've got a few new Patreon backers, a couple of new, and someone's up their pledge. Uh, and here's where I start butchering people's names. Uh, Mangala Roshi and Sarah Popek are both our new backers. Thank you both for jumping on uh, this moving train. And Dustin Freeman has upped his pledge. Uh, we're currently standing at $1,816 a month and 308 backers, which is amazing and fantastic and very far away from anything like sustainable living. Um, as you know, I make a point. This is my main source of income. I live in Los Angeles. Do the math. <laughs> How am I surviving? Don't know. Um, is it, does it involve credit cards? 
Maybe. Uh, does it involve uh, taking a salary from uh, the Here Summoning Festival, which we'll get into in a second? Yes, it does. Uh, there, there is some of that. Uh, is that uh, kind of in an interesting state right now because of uh, the coronavirus situation? Oh, yeah, it is. Uh, I will talk some more on the back end about how uh, the outbreak is affecting uh, the plans for here. Short version. Uh, we are still on, we're basically on until we get an order from the government that there cannot be an event because that triggers all the fun clauses in our uh, contracts that lets us get all the money back, which we then get to give back to everyone who bought a badge. Because much like No Persinium, the show, here, the summit, is funded by you. So we're all in this risk together. Um, I may talk a little bit about what it means uh, to cancel for me personally on the back end. Suffice to say, ain't gonna be great. I'm terrified. Um, so we're just being like, let's see if we can get through this. Um, but there are some things that we also should all be doing um, as a community uh, for those who are still doing shows. Anyway, we're gonna get into that after the work, all right? I do want to talk about that because we, we do have a responsibility. I have a responsibility as a producer and you have a responsibility as a producer to be better than what we're getting from the authorities, okay? So I guess we're still going to be political even when we shouldn't need to be. That's the nature of the era. Um, but thank you to Mangala and Sarah and to Dustin. Um, we definitely need your support. And I know I know a fair number of the people who listen to this show regularly are backers. So uh, just, you know, help spread the word, uh, help us get out there. And remember, the one, two, and five dollar backers, they really, really help. Uh, and if something goes wrong with someone, uh, or if we wind up with an economic slowdown, you know, it's a hell of a lot easier to stay a one or, or a two or a five dollar backer. Uh, than it is to come in at a high, heavy level. And I understand that. Uh, and that's the thing that I've always feared is that we'd hit some point. So patreon.com slash no proscenium. Uh, I feel ridiculous uh, pushing that in the middle of the, the scenarios we're in right now. Uh, but I also uh, don't look forward to the day when I walk up to the landlord to be so about that rent. Our sustaining backers are Mark Baltazar, Jan Budman, Paul F., Lonnie Hanson, Ari Hurston, Sam Kidkin, Sydney Guillory, Jeremy Charles Hahn, and Brittany. I thank all of you because you put in a lot, and uh, frankly, uh, it, it's shocking to me. Okay, um, more on uh, what we're doing with here. Uh, oh, I will say this. Uh, we've got about 20 badges left to sell on the three-day, and Saturday-only badges are now on sale. If you go to herefest.com slash badges, you can uh, find the links to get in on all that. Um, and look, if, we, <laughs> if, if we're not shut down by the government, it's going to be awesome. Um, so much like everything in life, it'd be like, you know, if uh, an asteroid hit us. It's just like that's kind of where we have to be in right now, just disaster reality. Uh, so we're still en route to have an absolutely awesome event, and we're very excited for you to join us here. Um, and we completely understand uh, if you're like, oh, uh, now seems like a good time for me to, like, take an extra risk. But if you are, if you can, if you can, if things go well and you can get here, uh, and you can make that choice a little closer, you're going to have a grand old time. And we have just about 20 left. Again, more afterwards. If you're really, really curious about what's going to go on and how we're going to handle things like, you know, what do you do if you cancel? What's the refund situation like? You know, I'm going to walk through those scenarios after this interview. 
And hopefully a year from now, we'll look back at this section of this show and be like, <laughs> look at how panicked we were and scared and look at how we had to make all these plans and everything turned out just fine. You can hear from my voice that I think the odds of that are 50-50. 50-50. All right. Um, but again, just to reiterate, reiterate, we're moving forward. And I also know, I also know if we do have to cancel, um, like if we're forced to cancel again, I'll get into that on the other side. There's a bunch of folks from out of town who like they're they've sunk in their costs. They've got their flights, they've got their hotels, and they're not likely to be able to get them refunded. And so they're like, hey, I'm still coming out. Um, so one way or another, I'll be seeing a bunch of you in Pasadena at the end of the month. All right, that's that's guaranteed. Guaranteed. Knock on the wood that is my hand. Okay, um, and now for something eternal and yet topical, we're going to talk with Katie and Scott of Everyone Agrees It's About to Explode, which again opens next week here in Los Angeles. Let's roll the tape. <laughs> Scott, thank you for joining me today. Uh, Scott, thank you for having us over at, at your place. Yeah, so, of course. Yeah. Um, the show we're going to talk about today is Everyone Agrees It's About to Explode. You two are, are in the show. Mm-hmm. And one, I mean, one, we're going to, we should talk about like what the show is uh, before we do anything. But also we're going to get into like the devising techniques being mm-hmm. used by Ceaseless Fun uh, to kind of bring this piece together. Because I think that's going to be a, a fun thing for us to kind of dig into here. But yeah. Uh, um, and then just so we know, I'll probably have said in the cold open that like the show is directed by like Derek Spencer and like Meredith Trainin. Um and, uh, or I guess are they co-directing this time or is it just Derek or, or no, how's, it's, how's, how's um, the breakdown? Derek is the director. Okay. Uh, and then there's Talia mm-hmm. who is associate director? associate director. Okay. And then mm-hmm. Meredith is as uh mm-hmm. ceaseless fun producer. Cool. So she's producing. All right. That's, show. that's the breakdown there. Okay, cool. Uh, those wonderful mistakes off the top of my head, those stay in the shows. So. <laughs> uh, last week, I, I, I got uh, C.S. Lewis and T.S. Eliot mixed up. But oh, you wow. know what? Like, you know, C.S. Eliot and T.S. Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> I, I should have, if I had done it that way, at least it would have been cool. I just like, mixed up the poems. So. Uh, and now everyone knows which things get stuck in my brain forever and I don't let go. Uh, they'll be like, because I corrected in the middle of it and now people um, a week later will be like, he's still on that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was recorded two days ago. That's why I'm still on it. Hello. I'm not that broken. Um, but let's talk about Everyone Agrees uh, It's About to Explode. So what is this show? All right? Like, what is it? Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah it's, it's... What is it right now? Because I know you guys are still in, like, process, right? So mm-hmm. that's... And that's one of the things about, about a devised work process is that where you are in rehearsal may not necessarily be where you land, uh, you know, right when you open. Right? Yeah. Well, one of the things that feels really good about this show um, is that we have given ourselves, learning from past experiences, much more time to be on our feet and off book and running the show before even showing it Mm -hmm. to audiences. So we did our full run of the show with as off book as we were, with some audience members that were from the uh, creative department, and then obviously Derek, Meredith, and Talia, uh, Nicholas Murphy, and it was like, wow, 
we're in a good place. We still have a lot of work to do, but to be in that place at, with as much time as we have left and as much hours we still have in the rehearsal room feels really good. I was thinking it's so amazing that you take this, you, you enter this room months in advance and you have nothing, right? And then two months later or three months later or a week later, you like put up this show and we, we just put it up for the first time. We like, you know, stood it up and looked at it and saw like kind of what it was. And it's great. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited yeah. about it. So, so what is it? you've seen what it was yeah yeah so what is it well it's it's a show about um well it's set in present day los angeles and it is a far left um revolutionary revolutionary group group, Mm -hmm. um that has um recently lost can we say i don't know recently (laughs) lost their leader Mm -hmm. everyone has a different opinion on who the leader was or, um, you know, where they went and what to do now. And uh, these different characters that are part of this revolution, all while they are all in one group, they all have vastly different opinions on how things should be done, mm-hmm. especially if somebody should take the place of the leader, what their action should be, what they shouldn't be doing, all coming down to different types of political viewpoints, which has been something... I found very interesting to explore. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the group members are anarchists. Some of them are communists. Some, some of them, them are, are social <laughs> activists. <laughs> All sorts uh, of things. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a microcosm of of the fractured left as as it as it is and kind of always has been. Yeah, yeah and yeah. I I think there's something true to the fact that you get a group of people in a room together and you say, hey, we all believe that the world should be different, and we all believe that we should be starting a revolution, but we all have completely different ways of going about that and ideas about what the future should look like. Yeah, like diagnosing the problem is easy. Coming together on what the, mm-hmm. what the, what the cure should be is has been proven a lot harder. Yeah, exactly. it's easy to say, that's wrong. We hate Trump. Our system is broken. We need... We think that we should radically change the system. And then it's like, okay, here are the keys. Do it. And then it's like... Now what? Um, well, it, we could start by... Uh, you know, yeah. and then it's trying to figure that out. <laughs> yeah. And everybody has very different opinions about what should happen next and how it should happen and the speed at which it hap- should happen and the like gravity of it. Um, and yeah. tactics of revolution in itself, mm-hmm. which has been done throughout history in many different ways. Um, different revolutionary groups, ones that are still active now, all the explosions against fascism that are happening across the world right now, mm-hmm. which is fascinating and interesting in France and in countries all over the world. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's, it's easy to just say we're a revolutionary group and it's like, okay, but like, what are you blowing up bars and are, are you, are you blowing up buildings? Um, or, or are you marching in the streets? Are you striking from your jobs? Are you filling the streets and everybody wearing yellow vests? You know, like mm-hmm. what is, what is your tactic? What is your plan? Mm-hmm. How, cause this is an immersive piece. How, how is the audience, integrated into into this work because that's always that's always one of the interesting things about about particularly like large form because i think there's gonna this has got space for like about what 30 or 40 audience mm-hmm. members yeah right? mm-hmm. so and that's a particularly that's a tricky size of mm-hmm. people to work with right mm-hmm. like you've got a lot of pieces do like two three five maybe like a dozen folks mm-hmm. you know maybe get like you know parody to you know how many 
cast members there are, or you get something like, you know, Sleep No More where there's like, you know, three, 400 people and then it's really just about the audience kind of leaning back and kind of watching things unfold around them or, or, or chasing the action. So what's, what's this? What should the audience be kind of expecting in terms of their, their role in this world? I don't know how much we should I, talk about. What I can say is that this is, in, in my point of view, it's an experimentation in environmental theater. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, where most of the CSIS fun work that I've been a part of, um, I would almost say all, but not necessarily, but that the audience isn't really allowed to speak. Right. Um, you can be there, you can witness, you can be a part of it, have these one-on-one moments, but this idea that the audience can impact or be involved what is ha- with what is happening mm-hmm. is something that is new for me. And it, it, it's exciting. Oh, so mm-hmm. so so it's not it's it's going to break the mold a bit in terms mm-hmm. of what? Oh, all right. Mm-hmm. So a, a little bit of interaction here. Yeah, yeah. and so I'm really just excited to see how that plays out because right now Dakota Loesch and I were talking about this at the other rehearsal. We were like, we're ready. We're ready for some people because yeah. that's going to define for us what this show is more mm. so than any show I've ever been a part of where. You come in, and I know that my show will be relatively similar. Maybe my performance is a little heightened because someone's there, and the connection, my emotional activity is more because I'm looking through the eyes of another human being. But to have them be able to respond and to activate them to do things within the show is something that I think we're going to be preparing as much for as we can in the next couple weeks, and then also learning on the fly, seeing what audience members are bringing in yeah that that <laughs> that shift once the audience is kind of brought now now you've I'm trying to think like you know you've both i think worked in well have, i mean scott I, I know katie has i know katie's worked in some pretty kind of like higher agency for the audience kind of works because you've worked with e3w mm-hmm. on in another room uh and cool. also uh when they did um What's the name of the the piece that was at the Overlook this year? Witches. Witches. Yeah. All of them witches, yeah. right? And you and you're in them, all of them witches, um, which is you know there's like dialogue interactions between mm-hmm. you know, audience Lots. members and and one and, and, and it scales from like you know very kind of intimate you know you know in another room where it's like three people and then there were some kind of group sequences in mm-hmm. all of them witches, and like Scott, I'm, I'm thinking here because I've seen you in a lot of stuff, but I'm trying to remember if you've done if you if you've been in anything that had like a high degree of interactivity and I don't I don't I mean there's some of the stuff in some of the stuff during the play days yeah like like, like erotica the, yeah erotica there most was of my most of my interactive history uh it comes with audiences <laughs> uh, I mean like erotica with like Tubman was more of like a um I don't know if you remember that I kind of remember that sequence <laughs> yeah um I mean audience members were touching me and right washing me with soap and I'm naked in a tub, but that's different than, uh, dialoguing with, with people. Um, but I, I actually not in, in ceaseless fun and not really in any other company I've worked with. Um, but in ingress, that's right. That's right. Ingress has been, that was my first time experiencing that on a large scale. We're talking about so thousands those, of people. <laughs> so, so for the few people listening to the show, because I think a lot of people listening to the show probably do know what Ingress is, but for those who don't, uh, maybe give a breakdown on Ingress and what your what your part in all that is. Yeah. So Ingress is a um, well, I hesitate to say it's a game because it's not really, and it's a lot more than that. But it's created by the company Niantic 
that did Pokemon Go. Most people know that. And also the Harry Potter um, uh, Wizarding one. And Ingress was a game that was set basically in this dimension. It's an ARG, so you can go and you see these portals specifically at famous monuments or artistic locations or specific buildings and where this exogenous matter is coming out of them. And there's two warring sides, the enlightened and the resistance, and they're in this war um, of deciding, you know, what to do with this alien energy. Uh, And I uh, was brought on by Jessica Lauren Lauren Richmond from the play days um, to be involved as uh, the character Hank Johnson in the prime universe. Um, and so that I, I flew out to, um, you know, to Thailand or Atlanta and Austin and these in Chicago, thousands Katie is of mouthing people. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you know this? Yeah, it's crazy. That's awesome. But to interact with people on the fly and to, to have so much, there was seven years of this, at least I think of this app being around and information yeah. that I was oh downloading yeah. and people would live quiz me on and ask me about certain moments that I had experienced. Like your character had experienced, but you, the actor had an experience cause you were brought in to play a character that had been around for, you know, it's almost like mm. taking over the equivalent would be like taking over the role in a soap opera. Right. It would, it yeah. Would, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. But, but instead of but them treating you like an actor who like, wasn't there, they would treat you like the actual. So like you would never like ask like an actor mm-hmm. on a soap opera, like remember that time when this happened and yeah. you'd just be like, um, that was like before I was cast. And, but, <laughs> but I was, but, but you're, but when you're interacting with them, you're not interacting with them as Scott. Well, the, you're Hank Johnson. Yeah. And the yeah. difference wow. was that it was a different universe. Yeah. Oh, well, that makes it easy. Yeah, <laughs> that was another guy. That was an- <laughs> I, don't re- I don't remember that. You must be thinking of another universe. <laughs> yeah, I, I try to use that on dates sometimes. Yeah. Really just, no, kidding. I don't. But what I dates. what I did learn from that will be something that I can. Mm. I mean, both what we've learned in your experiences that you just talked about, and and this experience is going to be able to bring that into something that is a little bit more present and uh, polarizing, especially when you're talking about politics, like. Don't talk yeah. about sex, politics, or religion. And it's like, we're going to do it all. Yeah, we're <laughs> going to talk about all of them. Plus, we, you know, it's in this devising process, we've worked on these characters and these people so much that we have a lot of background and history and work that isn't going to make it into the show. Yeah. So we have complex characters and people um, that feel really like deep and rich without having to have done a lot of the like actor homework that you normally have to do to create all of that. So it sort of just happened. So let's talk about like, how, so how did it just happen? Cause like it, it, it's, it isn't just that you wake up one day and it's like, Oh now I get it. Like how, <laughs> how it, 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 it the, how does that lab process work? Cause I think that for the people on the creative side of the audience is probably like the, the greatest lesson they can kind of take away mm. from this. Like, how do you get to that point where the characters feel lived in? What, what method gets you there? Mm. Um, this, we had a lot of time yeah. and we did this, um, differently than we've done other projects before. Um, generally we try to, um, workshop, devise, stage, put up in the same chunk of time. And in this version, we did a workshop earlier on in November for a couple weeks with some core CSIS fund members to just talk about politics, talk about some ideas, argue about stuff, f- start to figure out some character dynamics. Took a break over Christmas, came back with the cat, did the auditions and had this new cast, brought them in for the second phase of the workshop of devising and building and finding out who these characters were. Mm-hmm. 
which I always find is some some version of our of ourselves or what we're naturally mm-hmm. inclined to be like. Yeah, although I can remember the first time I sat down and talked to Derek about this, he was, you know, he sat me down, and he was like, what do you, what do you want? What have you been thinking about? Like, what do you want to create? Mm. And how can we do something that's maybe different than something you've done before or something you, something totally different than something you've lived in? Yeah. Um, and so he's so open to things like that and he's so good at, like finding space for you to create in that way that it's really neat. It's, it's a cool balance of structure because we come in and we have, you know, we, we sort of began with a little bit of a structured arc of how the show would go. Uh, but then, and, and a little bit of structure about, you know, this is sort of the three ideas we're thinking about for your character. So there is some structure going into the rehearsal process. And then when you're in the room, you, we did a lot of activities that were as ourselves, like me as Katie, and then a lot of activities as our character as V Mm. and distinguishing between the two became really important because you can distinguish in your body and you can distinguish in the way that you think. And then those things are sort of like a skin that you can put back on mm. every time you enter the character uh, in a way that was really neat. I mean, do you guys wind up like playing out scenes between the characters' pasts? Like, I mean, I, I mean, I'm, mm. I'm, I'm hoping to get like little granule here in terms <laughs> of the acting because, because I, I know there's a couple mm-hmm. different ways there's there there can be you know working on the scenes that are going to be in the show and figuring out those and kind of rehearsing those and then there's always like that kind of that actor you know, homework where like it might be like someone goes and like journals and thinks mm-hmm. about their past. But then there's also when you have a company, uh, you you might just be like, well, let's, let's play the moment they met. Mm-hmm. Right. Here's this couple. Let's, let's play the moment. So is that the kind of stuff that's going on as part of the process? Or? I, I found that like, I mean, it's almost hard to remember everything we did because that we, crazy. we, well, use, how much are you rehearsing? I guess that there's a question. Oh, like, a, uh, a lot. This is rehearsal. Right now. <laughs> three, three, um, like three times a, a week during the weekday. And we mm. weren't always all called. Right, and then the yeah. we, every weekend, pretty much all calls since end of yeah. January. Um, and I just interjecting. It is crazy that this is a group of people that I am completely happy to spend that much time with. Yeah. And then also after rehearsal, we're like, we have to go get a beer now and spend another two hours together because it's just great. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, back to the process. Well, yeah, I mean, we, there's, because you have Talia, you have Meredith and you have Derek all in the same room and mm-hmm. some of these ceaseless fun company members who have done a lot of this style of work and the devising process that we use and then having some new com- new people coming in to the show to bring in some of their ideas. Like in the beginning of every uh, rehearsal, each person leads a different mm-hmm. physical thing, a different vocal physical thing. And then you have, when we get into the actual exercise, Talia, Meredith, or Derek leading um, some different approaches, whether it's Grotowski, whether it's Buto- like some weird Butoh movement stuff. Mm. Like we did this hour and a half. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, I thought it was like 30 minutes, but it was like uh, maybe an hour 15, but like this Buto meditation, like journey through character from stillness into like, Which is one of the ones that really stands out to me too. Yeah. As to a like big pivotal moment crawling around in slime to like f- getting up into this position of f- feeling all these things in your body. And then from that generating like, Oh, I get where this comes from. Right. I understand how I move. 
Yeah, we also did things like for every rehearsal, we showed up with research on a revolutionary movement um, that you know different people took a different movement and talked about it because these are people involved in a revolution. Like we have to know what we're talking about. Hmm. So there was a lot of like reading and a lot of that kind of work, which was really neat. Um, I was like, oh, I feel like I'm in like school. I'm like taking a class on revolutions. This is amazing. But then we would get into the space and we did things like. Uh, an activity that stuck stuck out to me was when we did an act. Uh, we like stood on the floor in two planes, and one of them was how sure we were about our beliefs, oh, yeah. and one of them was yes or no. So they would ask a question like, uh, "Should Donald Trump be president?" And you would say yes or no at different places in the space, and then you'd say how sure you felt about that statement. Um, on a grid and then you can see where everyone else in the room stands and then we did that activity as people like as Katie me Mm -hmm. and then we did it again as characters and you figure out where what things are really different and what are really similar and then it allows you to see what things you have in common with people in the space and what things you have you don't exactly and we we had a weird moment at the beginning of this show where we started to find that we all agreed with each other on a lot and so we kind of had to lean into some of the places where we had conflict. Right. Because it's really easy in this group of people who are all working on something to find like camaraderie. camaraderie. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, and then yeah. to, and to create to create tension, you must have conflict. And, mm-hmm. and and that idea of like spatializing the distance between. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah. not just like which side of the room are you on, but like how far, how deep into it are you? And then be able to see, oh, you know, I'm physically closest to Soren, mm-hmm. but I'm farthest from Scott, yeah. right? You know, and it being on like a eighty, like a sixty foot, like how wide is that stage? Yeah, like big, sixty or space. seventy foot wide stage. Yeah, that you really get to see that space. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you can, and you can you can start to feel it, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the critical thing with any theater is that it's a first and foremost it is a spatialized art form, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so being able to like once you can start getting the ideas and the text or the spirit of it into the body. And, and, but that's not just a matter of the individual actor. It's also about the physical relationship between the actors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, and that's, that's, that's always a part of the process that, that, uh, I enjoyed. Yeah. We've done a lot of space exploring activities. Um, and then we've done a lot of talking too. Especially at the beginning yep. of this. <laughs> we just did a lot of like talking about politics yeah. in a way that was really, you know, we don't, I don't think a lot of us walk around talking about politics for four or five hours a day. I think and it was great. Maybe a reason. <laughs> I think this is great. You're, you were like, you're the, you're wearing, oh, we're both what, we're matching very today. positive wanna... about the political arguments. I, the, the the issue for me is that, um, not issue, but the thing that became something uh, is that my character is very, he's an anarchistic accelerationist, yeah, um, yeah. techno-futurist that uh, really doesn't, doesn't have the patience or time to listen to most people talking. And it's uh, um, embodying that, like I have to check in with people constantly and say, yeah. hey, just want to check in and just be like, I know that that was my character sending you all that negative energy and saying all that stuff about you. And they're like, Oh no, no, it's fine. It's like, yeah, "Yeah, but seriously though, we're good checking in with you make sure because I am somewhat of a, uh, antagonizing Mm -hmm. villain of the show. Mm. Um, and I really enjoy playing those roles because I like to find 
the humanity in those characters and the complexity of taking an audience member who doesn't want to be in a one-on-one with me and <laughs> or doesn't want to be near me and seeing if I can get them to to look into the character's heart or look into where he's coming from and at least like understand yeah you know why he's a little unhinged or yeah. maybe well and 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 I think when when one's playing high conflict uh, you know it's it's easier when you have a company you trust and you know um, yeah. and it's it's definitely harder when it's it's people you're not necessarily comfortable with yet because that that mode of like okay you know the difference between character and you but there's also mm. a thing where the characters can start to bleed into you a little bit right yep. and I think we've all we've all anyone who's like acted particularly stage acting you know I, I think I mean it happens in film and often like people who pursue method they'll do it yeah. almost to like a comedic degree right yeah. like they'll think like that's the way to make it happen but in theater because you're doing it over and over and over again right it's it's less charged up intense and like no one no one talked to joaquin he's in mode right it's more like yeah no but like you know but but danny's doing this every day and it's devised so it comes from from yourself from me from us from ourselves from our role in the group yeah even if it's an even it's a uh you know left-handed path thing where it's like it comes from like your your shadow it's still like yeah, you know, yes. like I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just flip myself and be like, okay, I'm gonna be opposite me. Like, what would that mm-hmm. be? It's like, whoa, and and that's the fun of acting, yeah. right? Yeah. It's yeah. like, let me go climb into the absolute opposite of who I am, like, yeah. mm-hmm. and see how people react to me. Then, like, there's nothing more exhilarating mm-hmm. than that. But yeah. then, but yeah, coming back to like, but no, 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 but like, I'm I'm back to me, and like, are we are we good? Are we good? And yeah. and even when you get the people on the other side, it's like, oh no, I understood. It's like. No, but mm-hmm. I need to know. Yeah, I need to make sure. Because, yeah. because I got to come back, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have to come back to myself. And that comes down to just the the very important nature of consent, mm-hmm. of a healthy rehearsal room, mm-hmm. of a director that isn't antagonizing. And um, like, it, it could be, very, I, I just really respect that there's something that Derek often says and in the very beginning of the process if there is something that you don't feel comfortable with if there, if there is something that we are doing that doesn't you don't even have to explain it you can remove yourself we can talk about it later um and it's like true with Derek yeah you know I, I think it's easy to talk <clears throat> about that stuff but it's different to like feel it um and and he, it's just such a safe space I mean and it, it's a space that they always talk about like don't be afraid to fail Right. Mm-hmm. And, and there's something so like cliche about that and right. also really hard because these are all people I respect and value and I want, you know, their approval, but I also want them to want to work with me on another scene tomorrow. Right. <laughs> and then this space, for some reason, I really am comfortable like trying something big and having it totally not work. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes it really does. That's the other thing. Yeah. And you just have to like really commit and be in it. Um, and it's such a cool space for that. It's, it's really, it's really neat. Yeah. No, yeah. And that's, that's fantastic to hear. Cause like I, I can think back to like rehearsal processes I was a part of and, you know, taking a big swing, yeah. you're, you're often taking a big swing because of a total lack of direction yeah. and you're like, Oh, well, like, I don't know what, I don't know what else to do here. So I'm just going to take some wild big swing on this thing. Yeah. And then having the director just be like, Oh, what are you doing? And it's <laughs> like, well, I'm, 
kind of your boring jo- kind of your job because <laughs> you don't have a vision for what i'm doing so i'm gonna you know now and now you're you know and and that's the thing some directors see themselves just as just as editor and not as, as generator right um and and that's and that's fine if you're not if you're if you're able to like make the, let the actors know that like you know they and the work are not one yeah right yeah. it's like well let's look at this together right, right. Yeah. and some of the best directors I ever worked with even when they might drive me nuts uh, in other ways like they were watching us and they were yeah. like they were giving us permission to like take mm-hmm. steps forward there's also that one of my favorite parts in the process where I start to know more about my character than the director themselves specifically in the devising process. Mm. And never is there a place where um, you can blatantly be like, I will do this because regardless of what you say, but there is this certain thing where, and with a director that you can have this kind of conversation with where you can say, he can say, I want you to do it this way. And I'm having issues with that because my character wouldn't do that in this moment. And then you can have a dialogue about it. And then it's like, oh, okay. And then we're able to talk about like, really owning who this person is that you've created that is part of yourself and part of the darker sides of yourself or external influences. And then to be able to adjust those live with someone is, is a fun process to be like, actually, I'm not sure that Leo would do that in this scene. This writing isn't tracking for me because I would never sit here and listen for that long. And then Derek's like, okay, well, can you try? Yeah. Try to find in that how yeah. he would sit here and listen right. for someone. Yeah. Right. I'm like, okay, we'll try that. And then I'm like, okay, okay, I get it. Yeah, and I mean, when, when, when it's approaching like a piece of text, you often, you know, you, you get a strong hold on the character and you'll then come to some part of the text that like goes against the, the take you've mm-hmm. got on it. And then you have to reconcile like, okay, so so what other thing? What? And that's usually the sign of a, of a multidimensional character, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. like we're never... We're never just, just one, one person, thing, yeah. right? You know, uh, and those are the ones you want to kind of sink your teeth into. But like, in, that's interesting in, for you for the, in the devising process that it's like, it is. A, no, no, go for it. Pour the wine. Uh, that coffee's ready <laughs> to go. ASMR. By the way, so oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> you just made everyone need to pee. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think the coffee's ready to go too. By the yeah. way, just so you know, like, like yeah. some coffee. I think we should do some coffee. So while we're, uh, while, while we're while, drinking, drinking liquid, yeah. pouring. Now more. they had the ASMR section, so uh, there should be like an ASMR break. And I'm actually no, I'm a, I'll tell you guys about something I'm thinking about. I was about to spoil what might be a surprise at some point down in the future, it, and it won't be for at least two months because there's, there's no time. You're in madness. I think right. there might be an ASMR moment in the show. There might not be. It's not me, so I don't okay. I don't know. Yeah. And it, who knows if it'll make it? But there might be. There might be. <laughs> there might be a little. ASMR action. This is not a binaural mic, so you're not really getting the stereo effect. Um, <laughs> um, where were we before we were joking about microphones? Um, yeah, but like that 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 idea that you know when the character is coming out of you, and then having someone, you know, have you look at it another way and like. And does it create dimensionality or does yeah. it really kind of clash with, right. you know, like if something feels just completely wrong, it's like, mm, no, like this is just really not working. We got to change. That's the thing about devising is like, you know, you can change the box, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like you can either change what you're doing or you can change the box. And in, in, in scripted work, you can change what you're doing, but yeah. you can't really change the box. And mm-hmm. in some places you like really, you really can't, you really can't change like, anything <laughs> and or, stand and deliver. Yeah. Or you, you'll watch or, you know, like, God knows, like I, it always drives me nuts. Like, uh, 
back in the nineties, uh, Pacino did this, did this whole, uh, bit about Richard III. Like it was a documentary kind of movie about him making a production of Richard III. And they went and they changed one of the lines in mm. Shakespeare. And it was specifically around like what? G Your or eyes C. just got so big. Yeah. It was, <laughs> I can't remember the exact thing, but it was around, it was around like, there's like about Gloucester and like G and C. And like, there's this like, mm. he changed the letter. And, and there's this big speech he gives about like, you know, like, well, we figured out like there was a mistake in the text. And it was like, no, he misinterpreted what mm. this line was because if you understood the history, mm. you understood why it was this letter and not that letter. Oh, and there wow. was nothing more frustrating than being like a college student actor in the nineties watching the great Al Pacino uh, <laughs> take on Richard the third and get it wrong. And yeah. you're like, there are no gods. There's there's nothing. There are gods and there are men. There's 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 only flawed, flawed men. You know, Um, and 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 you know that sort of you know dynamic when it comes to to working with text. But but in devised, it's just it's you. Like you, in some ways, you are the script. Yeah. Although I think Derek is so good at bringing. I mean, he's so well read, and he like brings in so much from other sources. So often you'll like start with some of those things and then do improv stuff all around it and find that like my vocabulary is changing throughout this show as, as Katie, because I'm like integrating all of these things into the work, which is really neat. But yes, I completely agree with you that it's totally different. There's no box. Yeah. You can, it can anything can be the text. We'll talk a little about that. Like that, the process of like absorbing, absorbing more. Oh, um, so like what, what, where you mentioned, like, you know, you're getting a chance to talk about politics and you're reading stuff. Like, you know, where is this, where has this show been taking you? You know? Oh my goodness. Well, I mean, there's like, you don't well. want to spoil things, but like, just, just, just personally. Scott's ready. <laughs> Are you uh, an accelerationist Scott now? Scott or Leo. <laughs> um, do you, do you just, do you think we should just let it all burn itself down? You know? Cause like, you got that's the only way to get to the good stuff is just like, let it all take its course like a virus, like a fever. Mm. I do that sometimes when I get the flu. I'll just I'll just let myself get as sick as possible with the immune system mm-hmm. kicked in, you know? I mean that's back when I didn't have health insurance. I I, I smoke cigarettes. I might be you did. I yeah, might be was that millet and what? It was like millet and soyrizo. Millet soyrizo American spirit. Cigarettes and coffee. Two day old coffee. Um so I am an accelerationist in some aspects of my life. Literally accelerating but your I find day. myself to be extremely frustrated. Uh and I am a very privileged person. I've had, I haven't had to go through very much, um, I guess, by the government directly yeah, struggles, like for your rights. personal yeah. struggles yeah. and losses and, and those kind of things and trouble with the law is like, that's, that's my own stuff. But, you know, and if I'm frustrated, then this country is just, I just feel like we're on the edge and it's hard for me to believe in this system of democracy that we are supposedly in. Um, And so for me, this character of Leo, I get to explore what it would mean to be a violent revolutionary accelerationist in present day and what some of those ideas might be and just really dive into it. Um, And it's, it's really changed Mm -hmm. the way, um, I guess when with interacting with other characters specifically and what their response is to that, 
the idea of doing whatever it takes. So it's like, if you knew that you could do X and everything would be good, but it would mean that X could mean the loss of lives or some violent action or some kind of insurrection against the government. It gets, it gets in. Like, would you do it? Would you do it? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Let me, like, is it making you, and I don't know how close you follow the news, but like when, when it comes into your sphere now, are you, are you looking at it differently? Right. Because of your experience exploring this, this character. Like when the, when the frustration comes to me, do I think, do I, or when you, when you see something like, like, you know, when like whatever the latest, you know, thing coming out of Washington or like the presidential debate last night. Yeah. Like the debate. Like, yeah. Do you, do you view the debate through a different lens? For sure. I think this show is, I, I wasn't someone that I would necessarily say I'm a, um, a scholar of politics. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now I watch Did you ever it. think of yourself as a political junkie? Like I, cause I don't think of myself as a scholar, but like I definitely, there've been lots of periods in my life when this, I have a newspaper man's blood. So mm. more of a chips ahoy junkie. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I believe yes. Uh, that's uh, his Instagram handle. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about you? Yeah. I, I think, I don't know. I think there's been an interesting discussion that we've had a lot in the rehearsal process about like the, the sense of, of whether you sort of get catharsis doing something because we are, we are Mm. doing a thing. Right. Right. And so I can look at the news and be like, okay, I am really feeling, you know, this, this, these four things that have happened in this week have really made me feel specific ways. And I have a place that I can take those and channel it. Um, and in some ways I think that's not great because Mm -hmm. I am just feeling about the the thing and not doing anything about it. And then the other side of that is like, well, you kind of, I mean, you are, we are doing something about it. We're Mm. having these discussions and we're like going to share these discussions that we've had with other people, which sparks more discussion. So there's an element of like, are you discharging (laughs) the energy or are you raising energy? Right. Like, are you, are you, are you building energy, you know, collectively to do something? I mean, I always think about how, particularly through most of like the Obama era when even when things were bad, but it was easy to just be like complacent. Mm-hmm. Um, and particularly to like be complacent watching like John Stewart and, <laughs> yeah. and, and just like laughing at it and thinking like, Oh yeah. God, like this is just ridiculous. And like, and us expending yeah. the energy there and not raising the energy up to do something. And I'll always think about, you know, right as John Stewart was going to leave the daily show. And like, it was right before, 2016 it was right when the last ones was like was when Trump announced and like comes down the escalator and like the 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 joke shot for for John was this cutting back to John and him like this look on his face like why am I quitting now it's about Uh to get good yeah yeah and right you know and there's one part of you that thinks like oh if only if only he was there to like you know poke holes in this and 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 make everyone see clearly through comedy Mm -hmm. and the other side of it is like yeah but like we also we laughed our way we laughed our way through some situations that maybe we weren't supposed to be laughing and also trevor fucking noah yeah a very good person to uh put put the sights on on Donald J. Trump, um, yeah. uh, he who shall not be named, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> not give him any clicks. There's, 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 you know, people, people know. I mean, we tend to, I tend to, I mean, the funny thing about this particular episode is like, we can't avoid talking about politics because yeah. it's a political show. Yeah. Like, we were talking, well, so, the other thing yeah. though is that we aren't, I mean, a lot of the show isn't talking about 
the politics of the week, right? right. It's sort of right. talking about like the the politics of the the decade or the the structures underneath, right? right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And, and the problem um, is that you, you don't you get told to not talk about these things. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really easy to talk about the topic for, of the week for all of them. To you get told about. to not talk about politics, sex, money, or religion, and then you can't have conversations about them because you don't know how to have adult conversations about sex, money, politics, or religion. Mm -hmm. So to be able to have these conversations about it and know when it's important to listen and how hard it is to listen to someone that has completely different views of you, but how you can find somewhere in that kind of common ground. But but before we, I just want to go back to this idea of uh, catharsis because uh, it's something that Leo and myself feel very strongly about is the idea that just by coming to this show, just by me making this show, that the my inner conf- my confliction about the idea of catharsis, like oh, so we're revolutionaries in this revolutionary group, it feels good for you to come here in this meeting and then to go home, that's enough revolution for you. Mm. That's not enough revolution for Leo and for Scott. It's like okay, so mm. this is cathartic for me, but what am I actually doing? Do I, is this, is this the most that I can actually do mm. yeah. is the most I can do to contribute to someone's campaign, show up at a rally. Is that, a, is that enough? Yeah. Is there anything more, you know? And there's also something really great about the fact that this is a political group and we are just people. And so it makes, in some ways, you look at campaigns that are kind of falling apart right now and you think, how? How can they be doing that? Like, these are people that are paid how much money to, like, make this a cohesive thing. And then you live in this show and you're like, oh, it kind of makes sense. Humans are flawed. Exactly. (laughs) We're just all people. Yeah. Um, And I think it's going to be cool because it gives the the audience the opportunity to kind of live in that for a while. Um, live in like being a person in a political movement yeah. and they get to live in that for a few I, hours. I was on the way over. I was listening to um, Chris Hayes's why is this happening podcast? And it was uh, talking with, uh, you know, someone who used to cover the Supreme court and they were talking about the courts and just the way things are set up. And this is someone who's, you know, someone who believes in institutions, but who's mm-hmm. had their belief like really shaken. Yeah. And then they were getting into the discussion about like, yeah, but like, you know, the debate over like, you know, if you remove the filibuster, this happens. And if you like the next person packs the court, but then, you know, this, it's like the nuclear option. And you just get to this point where, you know, like, you know, institution, like, I mean, look, I'm someone who like believes, I believe that institutions can work. Mm. I often believe they often don't work because they're, they're, they have flaws in them. And if you, if you don't examine the flaws and keep on working on it, it's not it's not a building that you put up and then just like keep holding up. It must constantly evolve going forward. Yeah, we're right. building these pyramidical yeah. structures, right? Where the where the the, the, the even the, in, the even more, with our checks and balances. But I think I think the thing is like you said, pyramidal structures. But I think that's one of the fundamental yeah. things that that we get <clears throat> we collectively get wrong is that. Uh, uh, a political institution is not a physical object. It is a living organism, mm-hmm. right? right? It needs to change. It needs to change. It needs to grow. It, it, yes. it must, con- and it Evolve. always is. It always is changing and growing. Yeah. We either acknowledge that it is or we pretend like it isn't. And when we pretend like it isn't, yeah. then it entropy sets in, it corrupts, and it falls apart. Right? Which is a really great thing about this show because the show is constantly growing and evolving in mm. the same way that I think a healthy political, like the, the, us looking <laughs> at that would be, right? Yeah, although well, yeah. you actually live in this show, it's not a very healthy <laughs> yeah, environment. Gr- growing and evolving, yes, <laughs> good metaphor, healthy. Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, but that's why I, it's fun. I, something I think about a lot is um, I 
I can't remember <laughs> when somebody told me this, but it was basically like the idea that uh, in science, you are constantly getting checked by your peers and it's changing. So it's like you can say like X equals this mm-hmm. and then years later it is checked and by, by thousands of peers because it's like always growing and, and oftentimes the things that aren't are, would be is, is religion. So like, you know, specific religions haven't changed over thousands of years or for example, the religion of the constitution or the religion of American government right. and this idea that like, this is America and this is what America has been and always was been. And it's like, you're talking about the 1800s dude, it's 2020. We've left you generations ago yeah. and we need yeah. something new. Yeah. And well, that's that, where like, you know, the window of opportunity, the window of change that we can implement now this, when I hear someone say, generational change yeah like mm-hmm. we don't have the time i'm sorry we don't have the time for generational change we yeah. don't well and that's i mean and right now i think that's the, the 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 hallmark of the current generational change is that like you know we must change within the generation yeah right like that's the thing it's like we had i mean i reflect when it comes to climate stuff like i reflect on being like you know, 10 or 11 or 12 in the 80s and like seeing yeah. like Al Gore's book and like mm-hmm. you know and everyone talking about recycling and then suddenly McDonald's was recycling and like all this stuff and this kind of movement towards an Earth Day became a thing again it had mm-hmm. been a thing it became a thing again and this like this countercultural movement to like the very very mass consumerism and like because I was from the Bay Area and specifically from Berkeley and like the fights over styrofoam packaging, you know, like you get like a Big Mac container was made of styrofoam and like they fought back and forth on it. And there's all these arguments mm. and like, you know, and yeah, companies would hire scientists to make arguments, not necessarily in good faith about yep. like why they should be yes. allowed to do what they're going to do. And like chlorofluorocarbons and the paper straw conspiracy and where they <laughs> where it's, it, you know this uh, conspiracy theory that the whole paper straw movement was not simply to protect turtles or sea life. It was a way for Amazon and, and countries to market and sell a new product that would be mass produced and, and short, short lifespan. <laughs> yeah, just a, just a new, yeah, exactly. Just like a new, a new, that was, okay, Leo. That was a little yeah. Leo. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, Leo. but a new, but a new, a new thing to sell us. And, but, but thinking back to like in 30 years ago when I was a kid and that moment and yeah. having that sense that like, you know, we needed to act then and people being like, no, we got time yeah. cut to 30 years later. And say, like, yeah. no, we, we, we don't. don't have There's time. a great article. Time's uh, out. You ever heard of the, that article that um, guy wrote about uh, deep adaptation? Hmm. Just do yourself no. a favor, um, mentally prepare yourself, and then you Google search deep adaptation. Well, I need to like do a, a palate cleanser of like UFO stuff afterwards, just to like make myself feel better. No, it's not. It's not about. <laughs> it's just about the idea that um, you know we're much closer to societal collapse, possibly. So than, that's a yes. Then we I think. will need to. Yeah, I'll yeah, need yeah. to read about Skinwalker Ranch right afterwards. Yes, like, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what happens when I when I deal with like the the, the 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 more rational doom and gloom stuff. I instantly go like, okay, but like, let me read about interdimensional beings coming. Oh, I see what you're saying. I thought, yeah, you, were, yeah, yeah, I thought yeah. you were like pairing it with consp- like. Uh, no, no, no. The opposite. You believe in aliens as I do, so. <laughs> no, so I mean, like, and then, like I, I put I, I I allow myself to like you know like. The, the, dive into something. You dive, love. Into, <laughs> dive into something I love. Yeah, as opposed to like you know, like and oh god, yeah. And like, the possibility of like a magical abduction that would take you. <laughs> To you know, a galaxy far, far away. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yay, you know. Okay, wait, this comes back to the show a little bit. Okay. Which is that I Thank think... Thank you for always steering <laughs> us back. No, you're so Katie, master of the segue. So yes, bring us back, please. I was just going to say that, that, that I... There's part of me that hearing about this show, I would be like, man, 
I'm going to go live in this really, I'm already living in my depressing politics world right now. Yes. Mm. Right. So sell us on why it isn't that. Yeah. And why would I want to go listen to people who are not experts about this stuff, you know, talk about it for two hours and well, Okay. <laughs> All right. That was another Leo. Right. <laughs> Leo showed up again. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let her finish. Uh, let her finish. Um, yeah. And I, there's, there's something about the, the fact that these people are so interesting, the actors who are doing this, but also the, the thing that you just talked about, about like the alien world that you want to go live in for a minute after this, that, that we kind of get to a little bit of that. I don't know. Cecil shows fun. I mean, Ceaseless fun shows kind of live in that like um, ethereal world mm. a little bit. Um, and so getting to kind of have that moment in this show about politics is mm. really exciting because, so yeah. It's, so it's, it's so what you're, you're kind of saying, like it's not monotonous. Right. right? You're not, like it's you're not, not just you're not us sitting down, around yeah. talking about politics yeah, for eight you're not, hours. You're <laughs> not coming down to a lecture hall. Right, it's exactly. Like, it's, it's, you're on your feet and you're like feeling these things that you're experiencing and yeah. hearing different people talk about them. I mean, would, would I be really right? To, would I be right to say that like, you know, there's a little bit of soap opera. There's a little bit of, there's a little, there's some politics. There's mm-hmm. some like, you know, you know, maybe squishy, almost psychedelia, psychedelia yep. to like what's going on. Yeah. So it's like a hodgepodge. And there's some fun. There's yeah, some like so fun. legitimate, so like fun experiences that you can choose to be a part of with yeah. your agency. If you want to go into the deep, dark, you know, bowels of this show, by all means do that. And you can walk away whenever you want, if you're in that and you, and, and, uh, you know, be able to find those, those other things. But I think that the most, again, to bring it back to the environmental aspect Mm -hmm. is that there is at least in the beginning or at least in parts of this show feel very much like you are at a meeting Mm -hmm. about, you know, about politics, about yeah, yes, a revolutionary now, meeting. Now from our treasurer. And, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. uh, you know, those kind of moments that you you can listen to NPR and hear like the Santa Monica. Oh, uh, the best. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Why yeah. doesn't someone do a show? Like we need to do, we need to get, we need to get, like we'll do it. It's easy to improv that one, kind of. We need to get the entire immersive community together. We need to get like a, like a Masonic Lodge or something like that. And we need to do a show, like a monthly residency of the, like we'll come up with a fake name for it. So it won't be the Santa Monica, yeah. but like it'll be like, you know, the the, the Santa Maria. Oh, it's just a, po- it's just you know. a fake podcast of like, but no, like we'll a fake city. It. Yeah, but like yeah, we'll, yeah. Actually, yeah. we'll actually do it. It's like and Parks like, and Rec meets uh, exactly. yeah, yeah, NPR. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, like, that'll you, be the show. I think that a good we'll way do the show live. If yeah. everyone comes to this show, you'll get <laughs> yeah. like you'll get, we can, you'll get a taste of that because if it, that's something that sometimes I'll be driving and I'll put that on and I'm hearing them talk about like some sidewalk uh, on some street and this like heated argument about it and oh it's just so interesting. This I'm like, wow, this is now. so much better than anything I could be listening to on the radio. <laughs> it's just hearing humans be like, but I need my stop sign on my corner. <laughs> God, we gotta, we gotta like, do this. We gotta, this has got to be yeah. This is the thing. Anyone up there? I don't have time to produce it, but if someone produces that show. Like, I will gladly, I'll come, I'll be a character, you know, like. Yeah, and you'll get a little sliver of it. If yeah. you come to, everyone agrees. Yeah, I think that's, that's to me what, what really drew me into the appeal of this show. And when Derek was pitching the idea to me and to us was that um, to live in a world that's real. I mean, they mm. who saw the deep, um, Agnosia, uh, the, you know, uh, Why I Want to Fuck Ronald Reagan. Like these shows lived in such a psychedelic state. In, in, in mm. most of their duration 
that um, I miss those moments that, of course, we're having these real human interactions with people face-to-face, but to have it within the context of current day Los Angeles, as was uh, They Who Saw the Deep, but yeah. you're dropping into a psychedelic dream world. Yeah, yeah and those like, it feels like the, the situation that you're in is really extreme, but the, the people you're with are very real, right? right? Whereas this is like the situation you're in is our situation. It is what yeah. we're living in right now, but then the people in it are kind of extreme. Mm. Right. Which is fun. Yeah. Yeah. And then and at the end of the day, like with this stuff, it really, it really is powered by like the characters, right? Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like the memories you make by interacting with the characters. So yeah. yeah. And every, right. and, and the, they're so cool. Yeah. yeah the, like if you look at the cast of this show, like, I know. I'm like re- Dakota. Yeah. yeah Dakota, Soren, yeah, Woody, Woody, Zach, Zach Madalena, yeah, all the, Marissa, Martha. I mean like, and all of them coming from, that's been really interesting. And, and part, I mean, something I thought that was inter- interesting about this podcast was to be, um, have a Ceaseless Fun company member and then someone who is doing her first show with Ceaseless Fun. Me. That's Katie. Me. And like, <laughs> the, just seeing in this room, almost on, there was like a little like, um, you know, period of like getting to know each other. Because uh, of course, like some of us have done many shows together. Yeah. But then seeing that completely fade away and then, not being able to tell who was who because to me in theater, like that's, that's like the most important thing is like, I was part of play collaborative arts a long time ago and then now ceaseless fun, but I'm not like an exclusivist. I don't think like I will only do a show with this one company. I think it's important. There's so many great companies and to spread the work around. Yeah. But four month devising process and like in a month and a half run of a show, I have to know that, the people I'm working with are people that are going to respect me and mm-hmm. treat, treat the process right and treat the other actors right. So that's where, um, it's been nice to have Cecil fun to, you know, hang my hat. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to this one now. So, hey, so are <laughs> we. And hopefully, yeah. <laughs> and hopefully everyone, everyone who listened to the show will, uh, will be, be looking forward to it too. And so you guys open up, do you remember? Do you on, remember the on the 12th. Oh, there you go. Wow. March, <laughs> he's really good. So March 12th, the open, go. and yeah. uh, it's going to run into April, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, um, yeah, into April, and then there's an extension, right. um, depending on. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly. We'll see how that goes. All right. Well, this will be, hopefully, uh, hopefully this will will uh, get to you guys to that extension. So. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, how do you folks find the show? Um, you can find it on the Ceaseless Fun website. Um, Which or Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> or in, yeah. is, it ceaseless, is it ceaseless.com or is it ceaseless.fun? I can't remember. I th- pulling out our Get phones. phones. Um, Everybody check We were not prepped for this. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, ceaselessfun.com. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure. And It'll ceaseless, be in, ceaseless it, underscore fun on Instagram. Uh, it's on Facebook. You can just search it. You can go on the Everything Immersive page under the the show thread. Um, yeah. and then also it's probably on all up, of our, yeah, all yeah. of our accounts. Yeah. You can look on the haunting, you can look on no proceed, you know, yeah. Or the, yeah. Or this podcast. It'll be, it'll be easy. <laughs> we'll it'll have be a link easy. below yeah. this video. It'll be a link in the show notes. Click so and subscribe. It's, it's not a crisis. Like, subscribe, follow, share, share, share. Yeah. Patreon, 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 Patreon. <laughs> well, that, that, that's the part that comes next. So, <laughs> Katie, Scott, thank you both for, uh, talking with me today. Noah, this thank you so, so much. This was so fun. Katie thank was you. awesome. Yeah. Hey.
once again, I want to thank Katie and Scott for being our guests on the show today. You can indeed find more information about Everyone Agrees It's About to Explode at ceaselessfun.com, including uh, when, uh, where, and I believe they just put some opening weekend discount tickets up. Uh, so a great chance to catch the show uh, for maybe a little bit less money and uh, get the buzz up, right? I think it's it's always a good thing, I think, when opening weekend tickets uh, for new work are... Uh, priced a little bit lower than later in the run because, hey, if you stand by your work and you think it's going to have good word of mouth, that's the way to go, all right? That is a sign of confidence, and that is a sign uh, that you believe in the strength of what you're working to uh, drum up more support, more business. Okay, I promised you a breakdown of what's going on with, with here. I started to sort of ramble into it because, as you can tell, this whole coronavirus, novel coronavirus, COVID-19, because remember, coronavirus is a class of viruses. It's called corona because there's this halo of fat around the virus itself, and, and soap and water are able to like wash away that layer of fat, which is why the virus dies. I've been thinking about this a lot, you can tell, all right? Like, I, I've, been, I've been digging in, paying attention. Part of it's the news junkie in me, and part of it's the fact that I'm producing an event which at its peak will have 700 people. And most days we'll have about four, maybe 500 people at it, which is a lot, lot fewer than GDC or South by Southwest or Coachella or any of this stuff. Yes, GDC has been canceled. Yes, a lot of companies are pulling out of South by Southwest right now. And um, with a week to go, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't wind up seeing South by Southwest uh, fold up for the year, um, which would be really devastating. Or parts of South by Southwest folding up. Because remember, South by Southwest has the film festival, has the music festival. Like, it's... It's a complicated beast. It's not just the convention center. So it might be that South by Southwest Tech does. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Here are the things we're watching right now. All right, here are things you need to know. First thing you need to know, if I, Noah Nelson, executive director of here, oh, feels weird to say that. If I were to right now make an executive decision and say, you know what, I'm not comfortable with where things stand, we are canceling. We would forfeit a whole bunch of money that we owe our venue, the hotel, and uh, all the money we spent on flights so far. Now, as you know, I'm someone who comes on this show every week and begs you <laughs> to contribute to a Patreon fund. I am not an eccentric millionaire who does that for laughs. I'm a guy who lives in shared housing <laughs> in a okay part of Los Angeles. Uh, that's the reality. I live paycheck to paycheck. And yes, it's a titanic risk for me to be producing an event with a six-figure budget. That's that's what it's costing us this year to do this event, which is bigger than any event I've produced before. Um, is that crazy? Um, mm -hmm, yeah. Um, is our entire economic si si system uh, designed so that someone like me can't do stuff like this? Oh, yeah. No, definitely. Right? Um, am I too stubborn to let that stop me? You bet. It does mean, however, that we do share risks here. So, um, here's what I know so far. Uh, only about three or four people have said, hey, I don't want to come. Um, a couple of those people are pregnant <laughs> and they're like, and that makes total sense. Uh, one of them is coming in, would have been coming in from South Korea. Um, 
And so a couple other people are like, hey, I'll, 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 I'm going to wait and see, right? We've talked about it. Mostly because if the order comes down from on high that uh, public gatherings can't occur, then a fun thing happens and the force majeure clauses in our rental contract get activated. And then suddenly we're not on the hook for $30,000, all right, which is a large chunk of the money. And we also are able to go then to the hotel and say, hey, the event has been canceled by order of the city and county. Uh, we're not going to be having anyone stay. Would you honor force majeure in order for us to maintain a good relationship between our event, our community, and your hotel? Because that's exactly how I'm going to negotiate it. And hopefully they look at that situation and say, yes, we will not charge you this money because of the force majeure and their their insurance or whatever we're going to cover. And they're going to have all the rooms, yada, yada, yada. Now, if they don't do those things, then we're only going to be able to recover a certain amount of money. Now, I have been paying myself uh, $2,000 a month as a salary, which I think works out to like under minimum wage um, for starting in January. So that happened January, February, March and cl clearing through March. So for April, because I got to pay my rent. So that's $8,000 that is out of the budget already. Uh, there's some money that's been paid to other vendors. The long and the short of it is right now, if I called it quits, we would lose about half the budget money. Um, we would just owe that money to vendors and that would come out of everyone's tickets. And then I think we'd all be really upset because uh, you paid money and got nothing. If we hold out for force majeure, we should be closer to 80 to 90%. Now, for the people who cannot come for the following reasons, there is an international travel ban that prevents them from arriving. Um, or indeed maybe to returning to their country if a couple of countries ban flights from in from the United States, which, you know, not impossible given what's going on. Um, or uh, someone's pregnant, someone's immunocompromised. We are taking a portion of our contingency fund, and I budget with a big contingency fund because that's who I am as a producer. I mean, seriously, a fair chunk of it's contingency because something always goes wrong. I'm taking that. And we're dedicating that as basically an international refund relief fund. There's a few people already who have tagged in. And if we don't get, normally we'd have just activated the waiting list and sold their tickets to someone else. We still haven't sold out yet. So we got to reach that point of sellout. If we don't get the sellout, if I don't sell those tickets off to other people, we're going to use that fund. We're going to divide that fund up for the people who can't make it. But qualifying means international immunocompromised or some other medical condition that means you really shouldn't take the risk at all. Okay. Uh, the risk of traveling, traveling. If you are local to LA, then you're in the holdout pool, right? The only thing would be like if you're pregnant, uh, or again, immunocompromised, right? Um, and, and, you know, we need to really, really look at that. Um, I wish it was otherwise. I wish I was an eccentric millionaire because then what I would just do is I would just refund everybody right now and we'd still hold the event and I'd just like laugh, 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 laugh about how silly this year was. But I'm not. However, if Mike Bloomberg or someone associated with Mike Bloomberg is hearing me right now, come on. 
just just write it into the campaign. You already spent half a billion dollars. What's what's a hundred fifty, hundred whatever thousand we're doing, right? It's actually not one hundred fifty. It's under that because I'm also super conservative with my budgeting. Um, well, that's 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 the the math we're facing right now. And uh, this is the other thing. It's not just about the money that on the badge side of badge side of things, the money we're facing, the money I'm facing, the the absolute impossible disastrous consequences. People have put in a lot of resources to getting out here. Artists, um, all sorts of folks. And if we don't wait for the force majeure, it's going to be harder to make the case for you to get a refund on any of that, right? So I want to honor the fact that everyone's sacrificing to get out here. Um, everything's always risky. Everything's always a sacrifice. Now, with all that in mind, and actually, I got I to gotta get off the line here because uh, we got to go do a programming call in a couple of minutes. I want to point out, we are going, we're right now coming up with some protocols around how to make everything a little more secure for everyone, all right? That's going to include, you know, in like, you know, gloves for folks to use and for, for contact. And we're talking about like with some of the, the on-campus stuff, like how to handle any amount of physical contact that might happen because that happens in our things. We're, we're not going to be doing any VR or AR stuff because we don't want anyone having to put stuff on their face. We're going to be wiping down props. We're going to be wiping down microphones. We're going to be wiping stuff down a lot. This is going to be wipe, wipe, wipe all day long. So we're putting together that. We're looking to some other conferences to see how they're handling things. We're just trying to be as cautious as we can, uh, as smart as we can be about this. And I'm going to also say this. If widespread testing becomes available, right, um, by the week of the summit and, if we're, and everything's still moving forward, I would encourage you, you know, if you can, a couple of days beforehand, if the tests are easily available, and you can afford it to please do go get tested. I know that I'm planning to if, if that becomes a scenario, just to make sure, because of course you may not be symptomatic. You might also just have the normal flu. So not a bad idea to go get yourself tested for the normal flu to see what happens, okay? Um, and get your flu shot. And I'm gonna go do those things to make sure. Um, just just abundance of caution, right? Part of it, part of it for me is personal. My mom's very old and she's got cancer again now. So I got to be really aware and I'm her caretaker. So I got, I got to be super cautious. So you know, just, you know, I take this shit seriously. Like, you know, I do. I've talked a lot about it now. Um, and yeah, like, you know, we're not going to be shaking hands. It sucks because we're theater people. A lot of us are huggers. Not all of us are though. Not all. I'm kind of halfway. Um, and I know some people who really aren't. So just, you know, be really con consent for contact is really important this year, so that's a big thing. Be aware of. Um, we're doing all we can. We're doing the best we can. And let me just state for the record, finally, because I know I've, I've word clattered you here to some degree. From an economic standpoint, for everyone, the absolute best thing we can do is move forward at full speed, get everything locked down, and then let, if it must happen, let the force majeure shut us down. Because if we do that, then at the very least, we will be able to recover so much money that the sting will not be that bad. And we will be able to structure things so that going forward, when we remount it, we can lock in people's prices, we can do discounts on the back end, 
all the stuff to make up for any loss that's going to occur. You know that is exactly how we're going to do it because I couldn't stand to do it any other way. If shit goes bad and we don't get that word and things get late, look, we will look at everything. Nobody's pulled out yet. That's really great. And again, I just want to reiterate because I get wrapped up in this and and get, <laughs> I look at the whole future and go, oh God, um, we're like 2% the size of GDC. Now, just because we're small doesn't mean that we don't have responsibilities to everybody. Um, and indeed, just today, Emerald City Comic Con uh, postponed themselves to the summer. Um, so we're watching, we're watching, we're watching. But I also know that a lot of creators are going to be producing work in this time. Um, sometimes for the same reason. You're financially locked in. It'd be ruinous. Um, here's the thing. Be as smart as you can about it. Uh Pay attention to your local health officials, because uh, let's just be honest, right now the federal government is botching this. Uh, so pay attention to your local health officials. Uh, keep up to date with that. It is your responsibility, much in the same way that it's my responsibility for my part of the community. It's your responsibility for your part of the community. Um, take what precautions you you can, you need. Uh, monitor your performer's health in particular. Um, you don't want... Uh, we, we do not want to become a hotspot. We don't want to become a vector for transmission for something. And again, individually on any of us, uh, probably not going to be that big of an impact. But as I mentioned before, for the immunocompromised, for people who care for elderly, uh, being being a carrier is not a great thing. Um, make gloves available to folks. That's something we're going to be doing. Um, if there's going to be contact, you know, it, it feels... It can feel silly. It can feel ridiculous. It's probably overkill. But right now, because we're operating in an environment where we don't have a lot of information, precaution is the way to go. Um, and just because, remember, the folks who are coming to your work are your community. And you don't want your community members getting sick. Uh, so um, I might have some more thoughts, uh, and I may I may outline exactly what we're going to be doing. We're going to be coming up with some briefings uh, about uh, our own protocols. Uh, going to be a lot of wiping things down, which I think I may have mentioned. Um, this was actually recorded after a programming call, so there's a there's a there's a break here uh, about a couple hours between uh, me saying two percent the size of GDC and what you're listening to right now. Um, so trying to recall what's in my brain here, um, but we're going to putting out some stuff about how we're doing wipe down protocols, uh, the types of props we're going to be using because of that. And uh, a big thing is going to be about, you know, letting patrons indicate whether or not uh, they're comfortable being touched, right? Um, in a time like this, the issues around consent get to be even more important because of what we're facing. Um, and I say this as someone who is not concerned or panicked. Um, this is just how you lock down and deal with something like this. Uh, you just take a slightly sterner, a slightly sterner stance. Ooh, stance. That is hard to say when you still have a tooth extraction uh, waiting for an implant. Wow. Anyway, um, <laughs> abundance of caution. Play it smart. Look into your options. And... Um, Seriously, if anyone in your community is being symptomatic, encourage them to get tested for anything they can get tested for. And hopefully 
within a couple of weeks, there'll be enough test kits out there um, that uh, more and more people will be able to be tested. Um, let's see. Let's hope. Because hope right now is um, a big component of this. I'll leave it at that. All right. On that absolutely stunningly cheery note, let's do the credits here. Uh, this, of course, is brought to you by your Patreon backers at patreon.com slash The sustaining backers are Mark Balthazar, Jan Budman, Paul F., Lonnie Hansen, Ari Hurston, Sam Kinkin, Sidney Gellerich, Jeremy Charles Hahn, and Brittany. The music for No Persinium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. I am your publisher, Noah Nelson. The executive editor of the No Persinium website is Catherine Yu. And until next time, I'll see you at the show. <laughs>